So we've been talking about fear the last couple weeks. A um, lot of reasons to fear, and by now, you know, I believe this, uh, this virus has kind of made its way into the Permian Basin, so by now a lot of us have friends and family that either, we have friends and family that have been affected directly, or they have friends and family that have been uh, uh, directly affected, and it's kind of shut everything down this past week, so we've been talking about how we can combat this fear, and it looks like we're going to be in this, in this season at least through the rest of April. I believe April 30th was... Um, uh, the, the latest deadline or the latest extension of this quarantine phase that we're in. And I believe Dallas County uh, extended it to May 20th. So we don't know how long this is going to this is going to take place. So I believe, uh, you know, I was praying and I really feel in my spirit that we need to talk about fear. And I, there's a lot of reasons to fear until we realize who is in control. And if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, that's the first step in overcoming fear. Understand that God is for you. We, under, we do not have to fear because we know who is in control. I have a couple of verses I want to read to you. Um, Psalm 45, verse 6 says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. God's throne lasts for all time. That's why we don't have to fear because he is in control. Look at Psalm 145, verse 13. It says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations Throughout all time, God has, from the moment he created time and space and, and the planets and the stars, he was on his throne. And the word says he will be on his throne when all that passes away for all time. And look at the, the last part of this verse. It says, the Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. Because he, his throne endures for all time, we know that he can be faithful in everything that he has spoken to us. Has God spoken something to you this past week during this whole pandemic? Has it been a promise? Has it been a word of encouragement? He is faithful to complete it. Why? Because his, he has a kingdom that is everlasting and his dominion endures throughout all generations. God has a final say. Now, I want to read real quickly, and I just felt real strongly that I needed to share this before we kind of get into our lesson, but look at Psalm 18. I want to read several verses to you. We're going to look at it on the screen in just a second. Look, uh, Psalm 18. This is a psalm that is written by David. And I want you to t- uh, look at verse 1 for me. It says, I love you, O Lord, you, must, you are my strength. Verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me in my place of safety. Verse 3. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. I want to pause there for a second. Can you tell that David is leaning on the Lord with all of his being? He said, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. What David is actually doing in these three verses is he's, these are verses, these are words that he said after God saved him. So in the first three verses, he's saying what God has done for him, and then he's going to recount exactly what he did. So he's giving God the thanksgiving for something that already happened in the past, and then in verse 4, he's going to recount what God exactly did. I want you to pay attention. Look at verse 4. He said, the ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. Anybody there right now? You feel like the ropes of death, if death had ropes the last, couple, the last uh, couple weeks, we have felt like it, it, the, these ropes have tried to strangle us and keep us back and, and not believe in what God has for us. Bloods of destruction, destruction swept over me. Verse 5. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. Verse 6. But in my distress, he said, while all this was happening to me, 
In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. And what happened? He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Verse 7. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountains shook. What, are we, what is he talking I believe it's in, in Mark. It says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, this mountain is not a physical mountain. These are mountains in our lives that the enemy has placed there to think that God is not big enough to take care of us or to overcome that situation. These are the mountains he's talking about. The earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of those things that were coming against you shook. They quaked, they quaked because, because of his anger. Verse 8. Smoke poured from his nostrils, fierce flames leaped from his mouth, glowing coals blazed forth from him. Verse 9, he opened the heavens and came down. Now, I don't have time to read the rest of it, and we're going to go back to the scripture in a second, but the next six verses are very are descriptive verses of what David saw, I believe, in the spirit happened when he called out to the Lord. So we see that in his distress, he called out to God, and God heard, it said that his prayers reached his ears, and he came down from heaven. And the problem, the thing that was coming against David, that mountain began to shake. Now go down to verse 16. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. Listen to this. I love this. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. Who are our enemies? We talked to, we can go back to verse 17. Who are our enemies? We learned last week, and we're going to learn, we're going to talk about a little bit more today. Our enemies are lies. Lies that come against us that want to take us captive. What does it say in this verse? It says, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. You cannot overcome the lies of the enemy by yourself. You cannot overcome the situation you're in trying to work it out in your own, your own thinking, in your own ability, your own history. You're not strong enough to do it. David understands, hey, I'm not going to fight this battle by myself. They're too strong for me. I can't do it. Look at verse 18. It says, they attacked me at a moment when I was in distress. Isn't that what the enemy does? Right when, we, right when we're, we're reeling from a, a situation that has caused us to doubt and fear, he says, when I was in distress, in distress, they attacked me, but the Lord supported me. Verse 19, he led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. I really love this verse. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me. Why? Because he delights in me. I remember when I first read this and I thought, God, this is why you rescue me. Not because you're good or you said you'll do it. Yeah, which those are all reasons why. But because you delight in me. You love me. You take delight and rescue me from the enemy who's trying to attack me. Verses, one, verses 4 through 19 is what God does every time we call out to him. I think God allows David to paint this, this vivid and long picture of what he does. So we realize, number one, that he is in control. That enemy is not in control. What you're going through has no power over you. And I, I mentioned this last week. Freedom is actually about your perspective. Are you looking at your situation from your point of view, from the devil's point of view? Or are you looking at it from God's point of view? This, this whole chapter is written so that we can see what happens from God's point of view. He rescues us because he delights in us. If you know that God responds to you in this way every time, how much will you call out to him? 
a whole lot more. If you know that God is going to rend the heavens when you're going through something and come down out of heaven and rescue you, how many times would you call out to him? Every single time. I remember um, talking about lies. and We're going to go through this a little bit today. I remember I used to be scared of the dark. How many of you out there were scared of the dark growing up? All of us were. I know there's a few people in here. I'm sure all of us were. Um, and I know some of y'all that have kids, they're scared of the dark. I remember I used to be not, well, younger, I was kind of nervous. And when I got older, I moved into my own house. I was by myself. I was like, man, this is kind of weird. Am I going to just jump through that closet or what's, what's going on? And, you know, I've grown up in a Pentecostal church and I heard these crazy stories about demons manifesting here and there. And, and I, was, I was like, man, what's going to happen? And then I realized something. And again, this is the power of lies and truth. I realized I had this thought, hey, okay, I know demons are real. That's obvious. They're obvi- it's obvious they're real. But if demons are real, isn't God real? And if there are demonic forces that are trying to come against us in our rooms, in our homes, or in our places of work, isn't God right there with us? And I remember thinking, okay, yeah, there may be this demon running around in my house, but God is with me. Not only is he with me, he's in me. And God is able, if the the enemy wants to attack me, he can come at me, but I know who is inside of me. God is inside of me. And I remember when I began to realize that that put me more at ease because I know that God loves me. He's not going to allow anything to happen to me that is ultimately going to destroy me. So I entered into this truth and it set me free. God is for you. He is for you. So last week we talked about a series. We, We started a series called, And the Truth Will Set You Free. And I, we, we talked about fear a couple weeks, and then I really felt in my spirit that we need to talk about the importance of the Word of God and the place it plays in combating fear in our life. And there's this phrase that, that uh, kind of came to me as I was preparing for the sermon last week, and, it, and it's this. The Bible is a book about freedom. This, this book right here is the Bible, if you can't tell. This is a book about freedom, Yes. There are uh, rules in here and laws that God wants us to abide by. But I think a lot of the times we just see this thing as a nice uh, ornament that goes on our coffee table, that goes on our bookshelves, and it's nice to read on Sunday morning or maybe when we go to bed at night or maybe sometimes in the morning when we get up. And we see it as a, a book of suggestions. But last week, the, the Lord really impressed on me that this is actually a book about freedom. How many of y'all feel stuck right now? Maybe you feel like you're trapped. Hey, your job just laid you off or they're cutting your hours and you're like, I just don't know how I'm going to get it. And you feel, you feel stuck. You feel like you're, 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 walk, you're coming into bondage to, some, to a thought in your life. Do you want freedom? This is how you find freedom. This is it. Did you know the Bible has answers for everything that you're going through in your life? It's hard to understand how a Bible who has... Um, Stood the test of time, was written thousands of years ago, could be, could be applicable to us today, but it can. This is a book about freedom. We talked about the difference, uh, the importance of knowing the difference between truth and lies. And if you remember, I shared the story about a friend of mine's brother. And a friend, uh, just, to, just to recap real quickly, um, a friend of mine's brother has been estranged from their family for a long time, believing that their family doesn't love him, doesn't like him, has never accepted him. It doesn't matter how much they've given to him, given him a job, tried to help him financially, spend time with him. It doesn't matter what they've done. He has not been able to see these things. And as my friend was telling the story, I realized that's actually what bondage is. 
Bondage is, is a house of lies that the enemy feeds us throughout our lives so that we believe something. What happens when we believe these lies? We walk into broken relationships with people. That is actually, and I remember just thinking as they were telling the story, I saw like this picture of a dungeon and I saw this guy in that dungeon. I thought, that's actually what bondage is. And I remember uh, as I was preparing, I remember uh, there was a person who I know that um, grew up in a very kind of abusive family. Parents are very religious, but they're, 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 my friend, their daughter was never good enough uh, to, to be, I, I, th- they, I believe they loved her, but she was always doing something wrong. And so she grew up believing that she was not good enough, didn't matter how much good she did. And I remember having many, many conversations with this person, many conversations. And I'm pretty good at, I feel, at, uh, at presenting a, a case and arguing, and I said all the right verses, I said all the right analogies, and I remember this person would just look at me and just kind of stare at me and, and not, and they would say, I understand what you're saying up here, but I don't feel it down here. And I, and I, I was like, man, Lord, I don't know what else I can say to this person, how many times I can pray. And I, I realized that this person was, again, in, in bondage to a house of lies that had been, had been spoken over her, embedded in her since she was a little girl. And I realized, yes, I can speak the truth, but the, word, but the word says that no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. And I realized that it is the Holy, that it's my job to, to speak the truth. It's our jobs, your job to speak the truth, but only God can use that truth and, and make it make sense in our soul and set us free. And so it has to be revealed. We also talked about how um, we, re- we read a story about how Jesus was talking to a group of Jews they were Jews, they were from the, the house of Abraham, but they, they weren't walking the way that Abraham taught them to walk. And, and Jesus actually said, you're not, you believe you're children of Abraham and you're children of God, but the way you're living, you're actually a child of the devil. This is why Jesus told them, and this is where we get the title of our series from, he said, if you abide in my teachings, you will know my truth, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, if you abide in truth, because right now you think you're abiding in truth, but you're just abiding in your, in your own ideas. You think if you just come to church on Sunday morning, you think if you just give here and there, you think if you just make God want a priority, not the main priority, then it's going to be okay. And they weren't okay. He says, if you, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I just want to kind of bring it home to you. They, they, they believe that um, two things two conclusions from that story before I, I say something. Two conclusions. Just because you think you know God doesn't mean you know God, and just because you think you're free doesn't mean you're free. That's what we learned in that, in that, in that chapter. Again, I want to bring it home. Any, y'all know anybody who, who has this, this kind of attitude? Um, I do what I want. You don't, you know, that's a good idea, but I'm going to do what I want. You can't, nobody can tell me anything. Anybody know friends or family say, no, nobody can tell me anything. Like, or they might not say that out loud, but their actions speak that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna listen. I'm not gonna listen to you. I th- I've done this. I'm gonna be okay. No, it's okay. I'm all right. And they think they're free to make these decisions. Uh, they and they, this is the reason they they say these things because they think, hey, I'm free. I'm gonna do what I want. That's freedom. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna let my parents, my friends, my coworkers, spouse. I'm not gonna, my kids. I'm not gonna let them tell me what to do because I know what I'm doing. At the same time, these same people are in bondage to fear. They're in bondage to shame. They're bonded to anxiety. They have broken relationships left and right. Some of them can't keep a job. Some of them are having issues with their employers. 
and they say they're free. And we have said that in the past, and we're free. Is that real freedom? No, that's not freedom. Many of us, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we think we're free, but we're in bondage to so many things. This is the audience that Jesus was talking to. They thought they were free because they were, they were, Jew, they were Jews, the Abraham, Moses were their forefathers, they had the law, this and that, but they were walking in bondage. That isn't freedom. That's actually believing a lie. They, were, they believed the lie just because they were blood relatives of Abraham that they were children of God. And if you read in Romans, it says it's not those who are Jews who are God's people, but those who do the law, who from their heart want to do what God wants. This is the reality about truth versus lies. Walking in lies leads to bondage. But knowing and embracing truth leads to freedom. This is kind of the whole reason we're talking about the importance of the Word of God. Because when you, when you reject lie, when you reject truth and begin to walk in your own way of thinking and believe, hey, I don't need God that much. I need God, but I don't need God to that extent. That's a lie. You can't do anything without God. I've been living for the Lord since I was, for my whole life, but really since I was 15 or so far, going to be 17 years um, this year. And it's amazing after living for the Lord this long, how much I realize I need God more now than I ever thought I did. We can't do anything without him. But the enemy wants you to believe, no, I don't need to do this. I don't need to give. I don't need to tithe. I don't need to forgive that person. No, those are all lies. Those are all lies, and those lies have the power to take you into bondage. God's word is truth. There's another phrase that that the Lord spoke to me right after I walked off the platform last week. I was just kind of reviewing the sermon, and this phrase came to mind. Truth is the owner of freedom. Freedom is never found in lies. Freedom is only found in truth. Why is that important? Because many of us think if we just do things our own way or we just do this, then we'll find freedom. Truth is the owner. Jesus is truth. His word is truth. Jesus is the owner of freedom. Let me say it a different way. Maybe this this will help you understand. You can choose your actions, but you cannot choose your consequences. I know a lot of people who have said, oh, I'm going to do this. The only, reason we, the only reason we make certain decisions is because we think there's going to be a certain outcome. All of us have free will to decide whatever we want to do. Right now, when you walk out of, when you, when you, well, we're going to walk out of, the, out of the sanctuary, but if you're at the house, whenever they finally let us out of the house, whenever you walk out your front door, you can do whatever you want. You, God has given you free will, but you cannot decide how your actions will turn out. I'm just going to say this. This has been in my spirit. I've been trying to think of other ways, but I'm just going to say this because this is applicable to me. I'm, I'm a single person and for, to a lot of people out there. Just because you choose to live some, with somebody who is not your spouse doesn't mean you're going to have a blessed life. That is an example of choosing your, of cho- believing you're choosing your consequences um, based on an action. The Word of God says that God does not bless, uh, does not bless any union, any living together, any, any um, uh, sexual um, uh, coming together outside marriage. There's a lot of people, I have a lot of friends, who, um, who, who believe this and think it's okay. Hey, it's okay. We gotta, we're just going to test out the waters. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, just see how we work together. That is choosing your consequences. You can choose to live together, but you cannot choose how that's going to work out. I've seen it time and time again. The only way we can walk 
in freedom, the only way is when we, when we uh, um, base our lives on truth. There are many other, I'm sure there are many other things I can say. Um, there's a couple, here's a couple scenarios. When we know and embrace truth, we begin to walk in truth. Here are a couple of, of, of um, just kind of statements. Not treating people fairly, doing right by people is not walking in truth. I'm going to say that again. When you don't treat people right, when you take advantage of people or you don't help somebody when you know you should, that is not walking in truth. What's the lie behind that? I'm going to show you the lie and the truth. The lie is this. I need to use people to be okay. When you put yourself before other people's, you're actually saying, hey, I need to step on people. Not that I want to, but I need to not do right by people in certain situations so that I'm okay. This is the truth. I can serve people because my father always takes care of me when I put others before myself. See, see how we, we can walk in lies, how we can base our lives on truth. Jesus, Jesus is the perfect example of laying down his entire life for us. He didn't do anything for his own glory. Jesus said, I don't even speak the things that I want to say. I don't even do the things that I want to do. I only speak and say what I see when I hear the father say and what I see the father do. Here's another one. We, we, then we, were actually, we were actually in the middle of the blessed life when, when uh, we, we had to stop uh, that series and talk about some other things. But here's another thing. another thing. Not tithing, giving is not walking in truth. What's the lie? I need that 10% to take care of my family. That's the, that's the lie we believe when we don't give or tithe. I need that little bit of money to take care of my family. What's the truth? You aren't responsible to take care of your family. They're not your family. Your life is not your own. You belong to the Lord. God, uh, God is responsible for our families, for our well-beings. Again, truth is the owner of freedom. We get freedom when we walk in truth. So how, here's a good, here's a good um, test to see if you're walking in truth. Ask yourself, you can close your eyes if you want, just ask yourself, or ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is there something I'm doing that I know deep down I shouldn't be doing? Just ask the Lord that, and you can ask the Lord that throughout the day. If you're doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing, that is walking in a lie and not walking in truth. God wants you to put your trust in him, surrender that thing, walk in truth, so that you can walk in freedom. Now, the last thing I want to do is I want to look at 2 Corinthians 10. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians 10. I read this passage last week, but I really felt that I, I needed to visit it again and show you how we can apply it. Now, in this chapter, in 2 Corinthians, Paul uh, is writing to the Corinthian church. Paul had a very uh, interesting relationship with the Corinthian church. He actually wrote four letters to them. We only have two. He wrote four letters. We have, um, we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. We don't have the first letter. We have 1 Corinthians. And then there was another letter he wrote. And then we have 2 Corinthians. One of the main reasons that Paul wrote 2 Corinthians is because there were some leaders from Jerusalem who came to Corinth, to the city, and were questioning. Paul wasn't there. Remember, Paul was a missionary. He went from town to town. They came, and they were questioning Paul's authority to that church at Corinth. They were, uh, they, they were saying that Paul had impure motives. They were saying that he suffered too much. They were saying he was walking in the flesh. They were saying, hey, if you really love God, you shouldn't be um, uh, being beaten that much. You shouldn't be shipwrecked like you are. You shouldn't be stoned. All these things they were saying, hey, you suffered too much to be an apostle. If you're really an apostle, we did. So one of the reasons Paul is writing is uh, to, to approve his apostleship. So 
Um, he's kind of talking about that in verse 1. So 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1. This is what he says. He says, I, Paul, myself entreat you, I'm asking you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. Hold it right there. He says, and, and he's referencing how they see him. Because later on in the chapter, he said they, that they accuse him of having really good letters written to him. But when he's face to face with them, they say, hey, you're actually, your letters are great. But this man who shows up doesn't look like the person who wrote these letters. He's real meek. He's real almost weak. So he's actually uh, referencing what they've said about him. He says, when I'm face to face with you, I'm humble but bold when I'm away, when I'm writing these letters. Verse 2. He says, I beg of you. He's begging. He said at verse 1, he says, I entreat you. And then he says, I beg of you that when I'm present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. He's saying, please, please, I've been trying to when I'm with you. Um, I've been trying to teach you. I've been trying to instruct you. Please don't let me be bold with you and have to discipline you when I'm with you. The way I'm going to have to uh, speak to others who, who are accusing me of not being an apostle. In the next three verses, before I get there, he goes on to explain our relationship to the flesh. And, it, and then he exposes their false arguments. Now look at verse 3. He says... For though we walk in the flesh, because remember, they accuse them of walking in the flesh. He says, yes, we walk in the flesh, but we are not waging war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Hold it right there. He says, we come, we destroy arguments. The way Paul, this is basically what Paul is saying. The way that I'm going to destroy these arguments of people, these lies that they're saying about me, the way I'm going to, I'm going to come against them when I, when I meet up with y'all in the flesh, this is the way we destroy the arguments of the enemy. Because what the enemy wants to do, he wants to, take, he wants to lie to us so that we don't believe truth. This is exactly what was happening to Paul. They were trying to lie about who he was. And Paul just takes an opportunity. I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to address I'm going to address what, uh, what the, these people are trying to do to me, and then I'm going to address what the enemy tries to do to us. Now I want to break down, the, I want to, now I want to break down verse 3, 4, and 5. This is really important, and honestly, um, I didn't really understand this passage until recently. I'll talk about that in a second. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Did you know that this battle that we fight is not a battle against people. It's a battle against thoughts. It's a battle against lies. The reason why anyone says things about you or comes against you is because of something they have believed about you. If they didn't think anything bad about you, if they believe that you're this great person who never does anything wrong, they would never say anything to you. But what happens is because we're, we're humans and we don't always go to the word to renew our mind, these thoughts come in and we begin to see people and things through the, through the eyes of the devil, of the way he wants us to see things. And that's the reason we have these arguments. He says we're not battling against somebody. We're battling against these thoughts, these lies. Verse 4, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. What are our weapons? He says we don't have swords. We don't have guns. Yeah, we do fight in the physical like that. But the real battle are these thoughts that control what we say and what we do. What are our weapons? Number one, the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians, 5, Ephesians 6, 17. What's another weapon? Prayer. 
James 5.16. I just want to take a second to read this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This is how we can combat the enemy. Through the word of God, knowing what is true, knowing when the enemy's trying to lie to us, we're in here, it's like, okay, this is what I feel. These, these thoughts are coming to my head, and I'm believing this, but I know that's not true. I'm not going to listen to what I'm feeling. I'm going to listen to what the word of God says. And then prayer. We pray. We pray, God, help me. If, so, if you're struggling with somebody at work, God, help me to have a better relationship with that person. Father, I pray that you would block any lies that the enemy's trying to say to them about me. Prayer. Here's another one. I don't have time to really go into this, but obedience. Obedience is a major weapon against the enemy. Obedience is saying, I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to do what God wants. When we walk in obedience, we open up a, a door for, the, for God to work on our lives. But when we walk in disobedience, we open up a door for the enemy. Okay, verse 5. Uh, actually, we just, uh, the weapons of warfare are not of the flesh, um, but they have power to destroy strongholds. What are the strongholds? Again, I talked about these strongholds earlier. What are these strongholds that we as children of God, soldiers of Christ, are fighting against? The next verse says it. Verse 5. This is so good. We destroy arguments and lofty opinions that come against the knowledge of God. These are the strongholds that we have to fight against. What are they? They're arguments and opinions that come against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? The word of God, which is truth. Listen carefully. Strongholds are well-designed arguments that keep us from understanding the truth. This is the battle. This is the battle we fight every day. That when we're just minding our own business and then we have this thought that comes out of left field, right field, outfield it comes out of everywhere it comes from everywhere and we think god what what is going on i can't believe i was thinking that i wasn't even i was praying and this thought came along that thought what the enemy wants us to do is to hold on to that thought and it's actually an argument again going back to the beginning of time satan used an argument to convince adam and eve to disobey god that's what we fight against these thoughts and these, it's lofty opinions. Again, lofty. The lofty opinions is basically an opinion that makes sense up here, but it does not line up with the Word of God. You remember my friend's brother was in a, a jail cell of lies, well-crafted, well-designed. Did you know that, that although God knows you, the devil knows you too? He knows how to make you trip up. He knows when to speak certain things to you so that you walk into lies. This is why at the end of verse 5 it says, um, we destroy arguments and opinion and take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is very important. Throughout the day, we, take, we just don't dwell on these things that come into our mind, but we take our thoughts captive. Now, a couple of weeks ago I had a revelation, and I want to end with this. A couple of weeks ago I had a revelation. I've talked many times about how I, whenever I'm at my house or I'm walking around, I talk to myself. And I argue with myself, don't think that. And I say this a lot. I'm like, Josh, just shut up. Don't think that. Um, one, of my, like, one of my heroes the other day actually mentioned this kind of thought process. I think it was Jimmy Evans or Pastor Robert who said he had these, this conversation with himself. And I thought, okay, I'm not that crazy. Here's Pastor Robert, Pastor Jimmy having to kind of have the same thing. So I've had this, um, this no, I'm not going to think that. I'll just be walking in my house or 
driving in the car and this thought comes to my mind. I'm, and when I realize what I'm thinking, and because I've taken the time to know the Word of God, I realize that's not what I thought I should be thinking. I should be thinking about that person that way. I shouldn't be thinking about this situation a certain way. God is in control. God loves me. I can love everybody. doesn't matter what anybody does to me. Those are all true. Those are all verses in the Word. This is what allows me to fight this. Now, if you don't know the Bible, you don't have a chance to, to fight the enemy when he's trying to come against you. So I had this revelation. I was, I, I, I have this conversation. Well, I was again fighting, I forgot this specific argument, but I was again in this battle, and I thought, man, I really wish I didn't have to have this little, like, merry-go-round battle with the enemy all the time. I felt like, I, and I thought, man, I, I'm wasting my time. I, I could be focusing on, in prayer, praying for other people. I could be uh, focusing on these other things, but I'm, I felt like I was behind, behind uh, schedule, or I wasn't, doing, I wasn't doing everything that I should be doing. And I had this revelation, and I just felt like God said, actually, Josh, this is the battle. This little back and forth that you've done with yourself, with your flesh, with the enemy for all these years is actually the battle that I tell you to fight. Why? Because when we can take control of our mind and our thoughts, it takes control of our words and eventually takes control of our actions. And I realized, you're not, and I just felt like God said, you are not wasting your time. You thought, and this is what the enemy wanted to do. The enemy wanted me to make me believe, oh, you're wasting your time fighting these thoughts. You should be doing these other things. Don't worry about taking your thoughts captive. You just go ahead and keep going on. If he would have gotten me to believe that, he would have controlled my words and controlled my actions and therefore controlled the outcome of my life. See how the devil, even in that, tried to lie to me? This is the importance of knowing the word of God. 2 Corinthians 10 through verse 5 tells us the importance of this battle. And I thought, and, and I just felt like God spoke this to me. He, he, um, he said, you feel like you've been wasting your time for years, but you've actually been battling the devil for years. And I thought, wow. And I didn't realize that's what I was doing. And I think God, this, is just, this has happened to me on a couple occasions. When you follow Jesus, you don't have to understand everything that's in here. You read it, you continue to read it, you might not have to understand it, but eventually what happens is your life begins to conform to a way of living that he wants you to live, and then he shows you in here that you've been doing it the whole time. God is awesome. How do we fight? We get in the Word. We begin to, me- begin to read His Word, memorize His Word. I've been memorizing His Word uh, for about three years now, and it's been a- an amazing tool for me to fight the enemy. And then we begin to start taking every thought captive. We just don't let thoughts come into our mind without dealing with them, and this is what the enemy wants you to do. This is how we begin these roads down, anxiety down, depression, because we don't take our thoughts captive. And I don't want to invite the worship team up, but I want to leave you with one thought. If you're not in constant battle with yourself, you're probably just going along with your flesh. Because your flesh never shuts up and your flesh never stops coming for you. If you are not in, the, and I'm not trying to condemn anyone, I'm just trying to help you to understand what's happening. If you're not in, 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 in constant battle with yourself, going back and forth, then you're probably just going along with your flesh because your flesh is always, it's like a running faucet. You'll always keep coming. Your flesh will always begin to rise up. So I just want to ask you this morning, how well are you fighting? I know this was a, a, a lot and kind of a strong message, but I believe that God wants us to get the victory. And the only way we can get the victory is when we go to the Word of God. Otherwise, we'll be taken into bondage every single time.